I'm wearing shorts. Really? Yeah. This is. Um, I'm wearing pants. This is a rarity. You're wearing what? What was that? Pants. Okay. Oh, pants. Pants. Okay. Pants. <laughs> pants. I think it's. I think it's just called pants. Yeah. Panties. Pants. Oh, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> just Hello, to clarify, everybody. Jimmy is wearing pants. Correct. Pa- pants with a pants. tease at the end. Pants. <laughs> <laughs> pants and a t-shirt that's what you're saying wait, wait, wait. pants and a t-shirt <laughs> i see i see pants and a t-shirt silly uh, i'm just being silly no i am i'm getting ready for uh i have a oh someone banged on the door oh wait before we say anything bob congratulations on two million congrats oh thank you i know you're very humble and you won't say anything but i'm gonna point you and say <laughs> congratulations to you it's an amazing Thanks, accomplishment and like I said to you last night, I think it brings everybody's up, brings everybody's you know, Q rating up. So, mm. thanks for being a leader in this community. Seriously. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. It means yeah. a lot. I know you get shy about these things, but I'll tell you that. Good job, Jimmy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Way to call me out. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, it's it's amazing. It really is amazing, and I just can't believe like. Uh, everybody always says, oh, you know, the make a community, this make a community. I go, you know, the make a community is what it is, but we're no like Casey Neistat and, you know, those girls that have hundreds of millions of followers or whatever they are. Because it's not like a hugely popular thing, but I think it's slowly going that way. It's only, you know, it only keeps growing in that direction. So that's good. There is a barrier to entry to what we do. So we can never be big as as a KC nice dad. I mean, I can't say never be big, but you know, you have to invest a lot of money into tools or supplies or whatever you're making. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on like <clears throat> why people are watching, you know, cause you look at somebody like, um, the King of random. Yeah. Or he's very big. Um, how, many, how many is Colin he? 9 Furs. million now? King yeah. of random is at 9 million or is he 10 million? Yeah, I think he's at 10 now. Or wow. if he's not, he's really close. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are some people who are, you know, make things that are have just gigantic channels. And it'd be really interesting to know, like, the some sort of a ratio of the people that watch those specific channels, if they are also makers of some sort, or they just enjoy watching it, or they enjoy the craziness of, <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, what are you guys up to? Well, I'll go first. I have a busy day today. I have uh, Ask This Old House is coming. We're going to shoot two new episodes for season, I don't know, what season 18. I don't know what season this is. But I'm going to be on two new segments on the upcoming season, which will probably air in April or May. But we shoot uh, today and tomorrow and Wednesday. And we start at exactly 11. So as soon as we're done, i got to skadoodle. And... Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Uh, and this weekend, I fiberglass the canoe, which is great because that's a huge hurdle. I just wanted to get it out of the way. My cousin's staying with me for a couple of days. And so he got here and I was like, hey, you want to help me fiberglass the canoe? And I feel bad because he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden we're into this thing for hours. He's like dripping sweat <laughs> and it's getting <laughs> fiberglass resin all over him. You're also making and him carry heavy stuff, too, I see. <laughs> yes, and then yesterday, yesterday, uh, I was like, hey, you want to take a ride with me to go pick up an antique tool? He's like, sure. So we drove 150 <laughs> miles into Massachusetts, and I picked up this antique drill press from about the turn of the century that weighs probably 2,000 pounds. But 
because we were together, we took it apart. We couldn't move it at one piece. It was also too big. Once it's assembled, it's much too large to even put in my truck. So we broke it down to every single nut and bolt, put it on my truck, and, and the whole time I was like, no, 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 I, I, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm like, you sure you wanna hang out with me? But, <laughs> How does uh, your yeah. truck handle that kind of weight? Uh, honestly, if, if it wasn't dismantled, it would have been difficult because it all would have been uneven. But the fact that I basically broke it down into like a pallet file pile of steel, I was able to load it into the back of the truck and evenly distribute it kind of right behind mm. the cab. But when I do have like a heavy chunk of 2,000 pounds in there, the truck's doing a wheelie. I need to get airbags, which will I'll be able to level the truck off. But it, it isn't bad. But you feel the difference. Once we offloaded the truck, the truck was all like, it was like, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for emptying out the bed. I could feel it. <laughs> <laughs> a computer a computer smiley face came up on the screen uh yeah no it's i did get the heavier truck with more utility it's got a bigger frame beefier capabilities for towing and a bigger motor just because as life progresses for me i'm getting heavier and bigger equipment so i just wanted to be prepared for that so that's an, an antique drill press i got from a, a fan a guy named patrick who came to making it 100 and he's a real estate broker and he bought this house and inside the house was this old drill press. And an interesting story, which I'll talk about in the vlog, but this was the workshop of Thomas Blanchard. And if you Google Thomas Blanchard, he was an early inventor who, one of the first things he did was, he invented the car, the very first horseless carriage, a steam engine car in 1850s, 60s. He died in 1864, uh, pioneered the concept of uh, interchangeable parts for Springfield rifles and uh, I'm trying to remember everything it's all on the Wikipedia but this was his workshop and I don't think this was his tool we were trying to figure out this tool probably did not overlap with his life mm. probably came after but this was his workshop and what, what was cool is usually you get these antique machines and they come to you and they've been sitting underneath somebody's in someone's backyard for 25 30 years this one was in the spot where it was supposed to where it was used it was where it was supposed to be for all this time when we unbolted the floor like the floor underneath it was like new like that's where it went and that's where it stayed so all the bolts literally were just like a little snug tight and then we hand loosened everything it wasn't completely rusty hmm. to take it apart we had a little bit of square to wd-40 and everything slid apart you know in the, we had a the big long slide that is actually the drill press the quill <clears throat> so i'm i'm happy i have another new project to work on so that's cool did you yep. document the process of taking apart just so you know how to put it back together <laughs> that's a good question now there's there's actually i haven't found the exact same shape online but there is a couple of them online so i i can kind of go back but i did take stills and i did take some video of us taking it apart i did a, a time lapse and yeah, so it's another cool new piece of equipment. I first looked at it and we looked at each other and I'm like, I'm sorry I brought you here. You want to leave? Let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and Patrick is like, well, let's just let's just look at it. Let's see. Maybe we'll start taking it apart. And before long, we, like an hour in, we had the whole thing completely dismantled. And, you know, in pieces big enough to put in the car. And so now I have do a cool you, restoration project coming up. Do you have a specific place for it or like a use for it or anything? Well, I'm, I'm starting to collect a couple of different tools that use a line shaft and that's a a power driven shaft overhead where all the machines would be belted to and that was the sort of the turn of the century technology it would either be run by other water mill or a hit and miss engine somewhere outside the factory and i'm contemplating trying to like mimic that uh, bernie by works by solo and a couple of other people keep encouraging me and because they say that i keep ending up with machines that align belt driven so i might 
set up a small little line belt mm. somewhere. So I'm thinking about it. Thinking, it I don't know you where have to, you have to make a, a water mill somewhere. That's right. As the driving That's force, right. that would be awesome. I'm going to start digging a, a mill in the backyard so when it rains, I'll have power for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Store it in a battery. <laughs> yeah. So it's exciting. It's exciting to, it's, you know, and then I, I was driving home from that, from that, I'll call it a pick. I was driving home from that pick and I got a phone call from somebody who got my number from somebody who walked in my shop, doesn't know anything about YouTube. He said, hey, um, eh, I met somebody said they met you and blah, blah, blah. You have printing presses. I have a printing press sitting in my backyard and I, I hate to see it go to the scrap heap. The guy's a picker and a collector. He's like, I don't, I'm not into printing presses, but it's a beautiful machine. He goes, if you want it, I'll bring it over. I'll drop it off for you next week. So now I'm getting, this guy's going to bring it to me. It's in Brewster, which is about 50 miles away. He's like, just pay for my gas and I'll drop it off to you. Oh, wow. He goes, I hate to see this thing. Just keep hmm. rusting. And it's a full-on new machine. It's a brand I never heard of, but it is from probably 1900, 1890s. And so he's going to drop that off next week. So I'll start the process of soaking that with oil and see where that goes. So the collection keeps growing. It's, it's so much stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my, my landlord's like, I think, you know, he wants to kind of, he's kind of like letting me hang myself on my own rope. He just keeps going, I don't care. Put whatever you want. I don't care. He's like, I don't use the property. Just put whatever you want. So I do have a covered exterior place. I have a place to cover. I could put stuff outside and keep it covered from the rain. So a machine like this one that I'm getting this printing press is not high priority. I'll just park it outside till I get inspired one day, one year to do something with it. Hmm. Or because now that I have like, you know, good machines and bad machines, it could be a cool, like it just cool as it is. Just like, hey, this is what happens when people leave these things sitting outside. It's just a cool relic, you know. But of course, I'll have to make it move. I can't let it not move. Hmm. So, so it's fun. It's fun and interesting, and it's just a great sense of discovery. And in fact, I mean, this isn't a huge secret. I'm talking about doing a TV show uh, with that whole thing in mind of finding antique machines and rediscovering them and, and putting them back together and fixing them. But that conversation's been going on for a year, so I'm not... I'm, uh, it, we just had a good conversation a couple of days ago, so that's why it's in my mind. And, you know, everything looks optimistic, but you know how these TV deals go. They come and go constantly, and nothing ever happens, but... It would be interesting. It would be my thing. It would be a fun thing for me to do. So. I have a question about the printing press thing. Um, <clears throat> so with that mechanism that runs those and just the amount of like pressure and the amount of contact and all the different things that make a printing press a printing press, what else could you use that mechanism for? Like say you were to take that one that you have yeah. and like turn it into something else. Like, what would be a good use of that mechanism? Well, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> oh, you know what I did this week? I went and visited tableegs.com in Vermont. And I always assumed that those legs were made on a CNC machine. He has one CNC machine for doing specialty parts and just for doing, like, new ideas. And he can run production on it, but he says it's too slow. What they have is antique lathes. He has these machines that are, well, they're from the 40s. And... <clears throat> They have these power turning heads. So it's a lathe, but it's only meant for one operation. You set the, the blades up, you put the piece of wood in it, and then a big guard closes so nobody gets hurt, and then you push a lever, and the whole entire baseball bat piece of wood leans into these blades slowly by operator pressure, and all of a sudden, this square chunk of wood slowly becomes that leg because these blades are spinning probably 3,000 RPMs and cutting the shape into the wood as the wood is also being turned mechanically by the machine you'll see it in the video a shot of it but 
So there's a thing where you take a piece, you stick it in, close it, boom. And it happens in 30 seconds, you have a table leg. You go from a square piece of wood to a, almost a nearly perfect table leg because the blades are all super sharp and the operation's done very well. With a printing press, you could do something similar where you can put a die cutter in it with, with some impression parts in it. So for instance, I could put a piece of leather in it have it cycle through, it'll close on the leather, it'll cut out like a keychain fob, and also put an imprint oh. of, you know, making it mm. the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then it'll open and shut, and then I'll have like a piece of scrap leather, but I'll have like three or four or five keychains at the same time. That's So I oh, do have yeah. one of my machines set up to do a die cut. So every time it opens and closes, you basically get, you know, like a nine by three inch piece of cardboard with my logo cut out of it. Could it possibly also be used as a clamp? Will it stay in, a, in the closed position? You can top it out, but the clearance is only one inch. Oh, I see. So, and yeah. it, if you, I mean, you could clamp, you know, a stack of paper together, for instance. Yeah. Or you, it's basically, you could either die cut or uh, emboss. Mm -hmm. Say you have a bunch of business cards and you want to make a little embossing thing, and you can go boom. And, you know, let's say you, you, everything's cool, and Bob, you wanted to, like, make your logo just pop. And you could set the machine up to do that, even though it's a giant piece of steel, just to literally get that little pop. You could set up a little quick assembly line, and you take one out, put one in, take one out, put one in, as the machine cycles. And every time it closes, it's making your logo pop up, because you have a positive and a negative die that you could make on your X-Carve or whatever. Hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot to do. I mean, once you get your hands on one, you start thinking of like, oh, I could do that, I could do that. And I have a million ideas, but you know, I just don't have enough time to, to follow through with all of them. To me, just getting the machine and getting it operational is kind of the biggest hurdle. Like my power hammer, I got the thing up and done and I haven't turned the thing on since I got it going. But mm -hmm. I am, another thing I'm doing today is my excavator's here and we're gonna dig a pad from my blacksmith shop. We're gonna, I'm gonna pour a 12 inch deep slab, about 20 feet wide by 15 feet. And that's gonna be the blacksmith slab. So, so you're gonna have to move the power bit. hammer from the other shop over to Yeah, the it's pad. gonna live over here, yeah. If I run it on the floor it's on now, it'll probably break the floor, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it'll just continuously pound the hole in the cement. So, I'm doing it over here. I shouldn't have said 12 inches now, because I should keep it vague, because if people know exactly how much I say it's going to be, they're going to say, say that's say not they're enough. Gonna, they're going to pour it at more than enough inches. <laughs> yeah. The slab I'm putting right back is going to be 18 feet deep. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get a lot of headroom in the uh, so the yeah. slab doesn't crack. Just in case. <laughs> yeah. Did I say twelve? I meant to say twelve feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, That's what have you been up to? I just finished up my built-in bar, and now my house smells like polyurethane, and probably will for a week. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, it came out really, really good. It was one of those things where we built it in three different sections. And we like measured and double checked measurements like 20 times, but never actually tested the fit until all three sections were done and then kind of brought into the room. And it just barely fit into the, the little, I don't know what it's called, but like a little bump out Ooh. part of the room. And so it all, it all worked. And for the video, I did not, it wasn't done. I wasn't done with the finish because uh, polyurethane takes a long time to here especially when it's super humid and uh so uh i just put another coat on the other day and then at the i have all the doors open and the the shelves out so it kind of airs out and um i got a call from kelly yesterday 
and she's like uh so yeah one of the dogs peed on the shelves <laughs> and i was like uh, uh wally bad wally uh so uh i was like yeah there's probably enough polyurethane on there where it's it's not a big deal just wash it off and it'll be fine so um and it looks nice it looks it looks really nice in the room cherry is i think cherry's my new favorite wood yeah it's pretty yeah and so then this week i just signed up for a craft show in november that kelly and i if we get accepted we'll both be doing so a lot of my i'm done with big projects for a while i had the the kitchen table and then this this bar and i'm so over big projects right now it's just hard to move four foot by eight foot sheets of plywood around in the shop and um and trying to fit a project in a week is sometimes stressful. So I'm uh, getting ready for this craft show. We're gonna do a little crafty things. Some of the things are going to be repeat videos that I did a couple years ago. And uh, the couple reasons for that one is I wanna sell these things at the, at the craft show and why not make a video about it? And uh, I'm also a little embarrassed by some of the older videos. And, uh, and then, I, some of them have plans, and so I'm thinking about uh, like I have this little wine holder, and I I want to make more of those because they sell. It's like a it's a little piece of wood that fits over a bottle and holds two glasses, and they always sell really well because you can batch them out really fast and you can keep the price down. But I'm I'm gonna try to brainstorm of like maybe ten of those, ten different designs and maybe do all that in a video and then the plans can be updated with like 10 different templates so we're gonna work on a lot of little crafty cool. things stuff that's not so stressful and take it easy for a couple of weeks <laughs> cool um so are you you were talking about being embarrassed of like the older videos are you gonna take the old ones down no, if you replace the no no um hmm. They're not uh, uh, any video that I'm truly embarrassed by has been taken down, which I've I've done. Um, hmm. But uh, no, we'll 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 leave them there, and uh, we'll just do an updated version. Maybe uh, um, we'll try to throw in some new tips or maybe a different technique or, like I said, um, new new templates and stuff. Cool. Have you guys ever taken down old videos? Never. Um, I don't think so. I've wanted to a few times. <laughs> yeah, I did something. I don't even remember which which one it was, but I I did something recently and pointed back to like, hey, I did this in an old video, but don't go watch it, knowing that some people would still go watch it. And then a bunch of people went and watched it. <laughs> it saw like this spike. And uh, after that, I was kind of like, eh, I probably shouldn't do that anymore because that was like not what I wanted to point toward people towards. So, but um. So I worked on, uh, we, there's part of the shop that's been kind of a mess. It's like this back corner where the, there's a sink and it's just this place that is like a lumber storage area and it always is a mess and we just kind of throw stuff there. So we ended up taking a couple of days and making a big lumber cart to put sheet goods on because I haven't had a place to store sheet, store sheet goods because I don't usually keep a lot on hand. And so we made this lumber cart, and everybody's made lumber carts before, and so I tried to just come up with a way to make it as usable as possible. And, you know, it's not terribly unique, but it was like a thing to fit in a specific spot, and, like, we have certain things that we wanted to keep there, and I think it turned out pretty good. So 
that's what's going to be out this week. And um, just trying to get ahead. We're, we're doing like some planning for we're going to go out and work on a project at Matter Hackers again in California. And uh, so we've been designing that and there's a bunch of mechanism to it. So we're trying to figure out all the mechanisms and um, we finally uh, level or not leveled uh, whatever surfaced. That's the word I was looking for. Finally surfaced the big CNC. And so the, the, oh yeah, it was messy, but we did end up making the dust boot and put on there. So that helped a lot, like a lot more than I expected it to. Didn't get it all, but it didn't fly everywhere, which was cool. <clears throat> but we, um, when we were first testing out moving that big, like three inch bit that I was talking about, we were moving it pretty slow because it's really scary and it's really loud. And, uh, Josh put a video of that being tested on his Instagram and a few people that we know came back who have a lot of experience with CNC came back and said like, that thing can be moving like five times that fast, like way, 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 way faster. So we ended up running the full operation that way, way faster <laughs> speeds. And it took... I don't know. It took maybe like three minutes or something to surface <laughs> this entire 60-inch square thing. It was just like, and it was gone. Now it's flat. Um, so that, that's cool to have that finally done. It's just like one of those little little things, you know, that you just never get around to doing. Now it's done. And uh, we trimmed off the excess from the front and the back of the CNC. Because it's a 5x5. It's a five five. And so we laid down a sheet an eight by five sheet of MDF and we had to like special order that and stuff. So it looked like a big, like a four by eight machine. You would expect it to be this really big machine. It is big, but it looked four by eight. And so then when we got it cut down to the actual size that you can cut on of the CNC, we trimmed off the excess wood and it's weird because it's still a big machine, but it looks smaller. It looks so much smaller than it did before. We're just like, Oh, huh, look at, look at that tiny little oh, CNC there. Cute. there. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cute. Is but, it five by five? Yeah, it's five by five. So, and I mean, that's the cutting area. So it's bigger than that. But yeah, you can cut it sixty inches. So that's cool to have that done. Um, Jocko have this, to, does Jocko have the same one as you? you yeah, the same, he's got the same, same one. exact one. Same mm-hmm. same capacity. I believe so. I mean, yeah. I haven't talked to him about it, but I believe so. You have any good uses um, for that machine coming up? R two D two is one big thing. Okay. Um, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to get it was to be able to cut like both of the, so there's a bunch of different ways to make R2-D2, a bunch of different materials, but a lot of people will make the legs, which are a couple inches thick. They'll make them out of MDF or out of wood of some kind, usually MDF, and they'll, you know, sandwich it all up to get that thickness. And so my plan is to be able to cut both of the legs, all of the pieces for both of the legs at one time from a single sheet. And so I can lay that down and just have it go through and just cut it all out, and then I'll glue it up, make the assemblies. And then the um, the internal frame, so that the actual, like, cylinder body, the inside of it, there's a there's rings for the top and the bottom, and I think maybe one in the middle, and then there's vertical splines that kind of hold it all together. And that's all uh, 3 8 styrene, if I remember correctly. And so I ordered all of that material, and I'm currently trying to convert all of the files that people have, people have made printable templates so that you can cut out all those pieces by hand, but I'm trying to take all those and turn them into CNC-able templates so that I can lay down those sheets and cut out the frame, you know. I can do it by hand, but I'd rather not. (laughs) And I have this machine, I want to kind of take advantage of it, so. But yeah, R2-D2 is the 
the next big thing for sure. You know the uh, the little uh, on, on a lot of CNCs uh, on the dust booth, the little bristles around the edges. I don't know if yours has that or not, but um, my table saw overhead arm doesn't have that, and I want to add that. And I don't know if you guys have any ideas on where I can get some sort of bristles that I could run along the outside of that that dust arm. Well, I had to order that for the dust boot that I just made had that. And um, on the CNC Router Parts website, they have one of their projects is making the dust boot for the thing. And it gives you a list of all the, the stuff that you need to order for it and gives you the files and everything you need to cut. And on there, there's a link to the bristles that they have. You can get them on Amazon in different heights and different length pieces. Some of them have a metal band around the top, so it's not super flexible. Some have rubber. Oh, okay. But the ones I got were from McMaster Car. And um, anyway, if you go on the CNC Router Parts site, you can find a link to the one that I got. Okay. And it's a, I think it's like a three-foot-long piece, okay. so maybe more than you need. But, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I think that's all I'm up to, I think. Yeah, looking around, looking around. All right, look, looking around, trying to remember if there's anything else. <laughs> Super. Oh, I, I, this is not really related, but I've been stringing my guitars. I saw some uh, Instagram I, uh, photos. Yeah, I went to pick up one of my guitars recently, thinking like, man, I really would like to play some music again. Not, you know, just for myself. And so I um, went to pick up one of them, and the strings were rusted. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a pretty good indication that I have not played a guitar in a really long time. And so... Um, I ordered three sets of strings and, and like every night I'm just taking one guitar upstairs and I'm restringing it and I'm just sitting there and you know playing around on it for a few minutes and it's been nice so hopefully I can get back into playing a little bit yeah but that's the only new thing I have alright what are we going to talk about today <laughs> well I wanted to open the conversation about electricity and shop power and just some of the uh, accoutrements we have in the shop and the capabilities and the uh, the the ceiling of like what is the capability of say for instance running certain types of machines and amperage and voltage and you know all this confusing stuff that I'm learning about day to day so when we were discussing a topic I said it might be good to discuss and just compare the differences that we have and how people could identify with or maybe garnish some information from what we're up to and uh, you guys know that I've been going through putting new electric in my shop or electric for the first time in the big shop and <clears throat> and at the same time upgrading the electric at my my warehouse rental space i only had 60 amps going to that building when i rented it and i could hardly run the cnc machine i still haven't been able to turn on the vacuum that holds down material on my big cnc machine because my shop never had the power and now i had the local hudson valley electric company connect Hudson I forget the name of the I don't even know the name of the company Central Hudson they connected uh, so now I have 200 amps I went from having 60 amps basically an extension cord so the landlord could flip a light on in that space and now I have my own meter and I'm apart from the building electric so I have my own bill my own meter and a much higher ceiling of capability and we just have not installed the, the 50 amp plug that's going to power the 10 horse motor that creates the vacuum. We just haven't installed the plug, but now I have the ability to do that. But as far as the big giant new shop goes, I was going to just put in, say, what was available right on the pole was 200 amps. 
and we were going to put a 200 amp 220 service in so I could run 220 or 110 and then I was going to get a, a phase converter for the newborn and uh, Patrick my electrical manager my electrical project manager he said you should really consider three phase because you keep finding these antique machines and they have these antique motors in them and because a lot of them run on three phase and I didn't really understand why there's a difference between three phase and 220. I still don't understand it 100%, but one thing I do understand is that if you can run a three phase motor, say for instance, like anything over like two horsepower, they're extremely stronger. Like the strength goes way up and the, and the electrical efficiency is much better. So you're not like pulling a lot of amperage and burning a lot of electric. It's much more efficient but the biggest advantage that I can tell is how strong these three-phase motors are. And if you guys noticed a couple weeks ago, I, I did get a phase converter for the warehouse. It's confusing because everyone's like, warehouse, the workshop, machine shop, I got three shops going on and I know it's very confusing. It is for me and Taylor. But I got this new phase converter machine. It's called the Amp, it's from American Rotary. And you plug it into a 50 amp plug and then you flip it on and internally whatever happens in there, I guess there's a rotational motor that creates three phase and you have three plugs and you could plug into those three plugs, any three phase motor. And so I have two machines, three machines, I'm counting out loud, I have four machines that run on three phase that I haven't been able to turn on. And now with this new radio rotary phase converter in my warehouse shop, I'm able to turn these machines on. and. And I'm getting, uh, I'm getting to my point, which is I turned on this big buffing machine that I bought on eBay a couple months ago. It's a seven horsepower, three phase, and we plugged it in, turned it on, and it's amazing. It is incredible. I bought a 12 inch by two inch thick buffing pad from McMaster Car. I haven't put it on the machine yet, but the thing is insane. They were so nervous, like they're nervous, the company that sold it, they made me sign a waiver that said if I got injured on the thing, I wasn't gonna sue them. Hmm. Cause that's how powerful it is. But it did, have a, it did have a sanding belt on it when I got it. And so when I turned the machine on, I said, let me see if I could stall it. I stuffed a piece of metal into it as hard as I could push and the machine didn't even groan. And that's, wow. and that is nice to be able to stick a piece of material into a machine and the machine just completely do what it's supposed to do. You know, you have a buff something and you can't get past that one little spot of pain or something and you push harder and harder and the machine stalls. It's that kind of thing that is annoying. Especially when I'm like buffing ice picks. I buff like 200 ice picks. And if the machine, every time the machine stalls, you're, you're like deteriorating the life of that machine, plus you're slowing your production down. So with this big giant three-phase buffer, when I get the wheel on it and we're buffing ice picks, I could literally just push into it as hard as I want and then just keep moving and the thing will never slow down. So that's the advantage of having a three-phase motor. And also, a lot of the times you're giving things, like for instance, all bridge ports are three-phase for the most part, and some people have converted them, but, and that's because you need the, ha the power above two horsepower. It's been my experience that anything below two horsepower or like one and a half horsepower is like 110 and anything over that, you get into the three-phase. And you could use the VFDs, which I've used in the past, variable frequency drives, which somehow convert single phase 220 to three phase. So I've talked a lot. You guys have any uh, thoughts on this? No, this is actually really interesting because I don't know anything about three phase. I've always been curious. Well, let me, <clears throat> let me talk a little bit more because I didn't really get to my bigger point. I'm babbling like crazy. But my big workshop, Patrick said, you should consider three phase. And I thought, because it's right outside. When you walk out to the pole, you look at the pole and there's three phases of electric. He pointed it out to me. He goes, they're giving you 220 because that's what that transformer right there will give you. 
uh, he goes, they're giving you 200 amps because that's the transformer. He says, if you ask for three phase, we can get 400 amps and three phase, and that gives you a much bigger ceiling, and underneath that, you can then put a 110 plug, a 220 plug. You could do everything, so it gives you a much higher ceiling, and you could also put a three phase motor or any three phase motor in the shop. So everything is everything about three phase is more expensive. All the electrical boxes, all the breakers, everything. I, I spent close to $7,000 just on electrical panels. And because Patrick knows me and he says, you keep adding, he goes, let's just get two panels and then two panels for the sub panels so that you have a lot of room for breakers. You get these big boxes and if the breaker panel runs out or the, or the bus bar, you don't have enough room to add more breakers, you gotta do what's called the sub panel. And you make a whole new box and then you have room for more breakers. But we got these two huge panels. He says, you're gonna need them, you'll use them up. And we just ran the, the four-inch tube underground. We put in the panels over the weekend, and we put in the sub-panel on the other side of the building, which means it comes into the building, it feeds the main panel, and then we have a pipe that goes to another one, so it's gonna feed the opposite side of the building. And I'm learning with Patrick as he breaks this down for me. And it's funny, I don't know what I know until I start talking about it. <laughs> but now in the big giant barn, I'm gonna have three phase straight away from the pole. And in this, my machine shop in the warehouse, I'm gonna use the amp from American Rotary. So that thing is, uh, I think it's, I don't know how much it is, it's about $3,000, the amp from American Rotary, but that's how much you would pay to have an electrician install like something in your house, at the very least. And uh, for that one-time fee, I mean, it sounds like I'm giving you a pitch, but the, I'm, it's amazing how well the thing works. And to go back a year, American Rotary gave me the thing to install on the wall and I still haven't done it because I haven't hired an electrician to do it, installed it on the wall. And they gave me this amp thing, which is their new version of that same product, but this one you don't have to install. It's on wheels and you plug it in and then you plug something into it. It worked in three minutes. <laughs> the other one has been sitting there for more than a year on the pallet and I just haven't had a chance to go and do something with it. So uh, he said, give that away. He goes, give that to a fan, do something with it. He goes, this is the new product we wanna push is this thing on wheels. And it's it's, Amazing, because now when I go to an auction or if I go to pick up a machine, I don't have to be like, oh, is it three-phase? I don't really know what I'm gonna do with it. I gotta change the motor on it. Now I don't have to worry about that. So, what do you guys run? Everyone always says 400 amps, 200 amps. And I don't know what my total service is. Um, I mean, it's whatever, you know, normal residential is. <clears throat> um, but I ended up, when we, when we moved, there was basically one maybe two circuits that were, I think one was a 15 and one was a 20 amp going into the shop area. And that's all there was. Mm. And uh, my granddad just had stuff plugged into stuff, plugged into stuff. I mean, it was just just yeah. crazy, you know. He had a, an interesting habit of doing stuff like that. Like we found wire, like extension cords just coming out of walls, holes in walls, like hanging out next to a plug to where <laughs> that gets plugged in and that powers something else somewhere in the house. Like, I don't really that's like, know. That's what my workshop is like right now. Yeah. Same thing. But I ended up um, kind of pulling everything out in the shop area and running two lines. We've talked about this before, but I ran two 20 amp lines down the center of the shop, one for power, like one for tools and one for uh, like dust collection and stuff so that there was always a place to have, you know, a shop vac running next to a tool if I didn't have dust collection running um, but so those two lines are kind of always in service. And then there's another, uh, I think it's a 15 amp. They're running 
across the ceiling for all the lights because they're all LED, so they don't actually draw that much, but they're on their own thing. So then in case I do, you know, if I, if I pop a breaker with a tool, that doesn't take the lights out too because that can be a pretty dangerous situation. If your lights are running yeah. on the same thing that you're going to lose if you, you know, pop a breaker, then, you know, there's a lot of sharp, sharp stuff, so lights are good things. Um, so I tried to separate that out. And then uh, I wasn't planning on doing 220 in the shop, and then I decided to get a TIG welder. And if I was going to get that, it needed pretty much needed 220. Most most of the options did. So I figured, well, I'll go ahead and do that. And then I found out that the CNC thing was going to happen. That spindle's 220. So we ran a line of 220 to run both of those on. And then I ended up getting the new MIG. And since I already had 220, I got the 220 MIG. And it is way, 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 way better. Yeah. So if anybody's considering that, and Jimmy, you've said this before, but if anybody's considering getting, you know, whether they should go 210, or two, sorry, 220 over 110, do it. Just, like, don't even think about it. So much better. Um, yeah, the welder will that's, run much better. That's pretty much the, the power situation that I have. I haven't had any need for anything else, any more of anything, because I, you know, I typically don't run more than one thing at a time. So yeah. 20, 20 amps has been fine for like the tool line. Um, and my dust collector's a, nothing fancy, so it doesn't need much. But. I was very nervous to even like consider three phases because I know sometimes in the winter the bills in this place, are, the electric bills are fairly high. We used to get billed every other month in the Hudson Valley and the bills were say, you know, two, three hundred dollars. Now we get billed every month and they seem to always be two hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So they, they up the rates and then they bill you every month now. And so I was nervous that if I was going to do three phase in the shop, I was going to be getting hit with bills that are like thousand dollars a month. And when I called, Patrick encouraged me. He said, just call and speak to, uh, you know, one of their consultants. And I told him what I was doing. He's like, look, you're going to be flipping on one machine at a time. You're not going to be running a production facility. You're not going to have seven machines running with different production lines going. He goes, you'll want it because you're an antique machine guy. He goes, it'll open up your capability. And this is the guy who kind of sympathized with me. He goes, hey, I like old machines too. And they're all run on three phase. He goes, you'll like it for that reason because you won't have to switch motors or fiddle with VFDs or converters. And he goes, to be honest with you, you were going to be paying commercial rates anyway because of the situation of the building. And he goes, so you're going to be paying commercial rates with either 200 amps or 400 amps three phase he goes it would have been the same he goes but he goes i guarantee your bills not, are not going to be what you're afraid of he said they're going to be much more manageable and and i have now i have 200 amps in the warehouse shop and we run pretty much all the time all the lights are on all the time i have also leds so those aren't really sucking up a lot of electric but my bill has been consistently under a hundred dollars at the new shop now that i have my own meter over there what? you know yep yeah, wow. at the big warehouse yeah um I said new shop. I meant to say warehouse. Sorry, confusing. Understood. Then you need to give them code names. They need, well, that's they need why we call it the names. warehouse, the new barn, and the machine shop. That's been like the, the code words we say. So the warehouse shop with the new meter has been under hundred. I just opened the bill while we were getting ready, and it's eighty bucks this month. And that's with welding quite a bit and running the big CNC machine, which has a three phase spindle, which has a uh, it has its own VFD internalized into the the control panel for the machine, and. I'm really surprised that it's that low. I really, I was nervous. I thought I was going to be getting hammered. And I still, like, now that we have our own meter, I've turned into, like, the angry dad. I'm like, turn the lights off. If we don't need the light, turn the light off. Unplug the hot glue gun. If you're not using it, unplug it. If you Turn that off. If you're not using it, turn it off. So. 
cold showers, everybody. Yeah, I'm walking around the house flipping all the lights. I'm walking around the warehouse flipping all the lights off. Because <laughs> I, 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 now it's been like two or three billing cycles, and they've all been pretty low. So now I'm not as afraid. Now I'm just going to leave everything on, fans, lights. Everything's going to be humming and buzzing all day long. Yeah, so there's no, like, no climate control at all, right, in either direction at the warehouse? Not now, no. No, yeah. I mean, we have, like, a little tiny... Uh, we have a a little pot belly stove and that's not enough but progress is happening right now i've been with you guys so i hopefully everything's going well in the backyard taylor's supervising they dug a giant hole that we're putting a thousand gallon tank in the ground that's going to feed the the floor in the new shop so we just put a thousand gallon propane tank it's happening right now last i looked there was just a tremendous hole in the ground but that thousand gallon tank is going to get installed in the ground and covered with dirt and then the installers are going to run a, a propane line into my building. And that's where the floor heating system is going to go. And soon we're going to have electric. Awesome. We're going to have propane. So I'm going to be able to turn the floor on, which means that I have to insulate the place sooner than later. Hmm. But it's it's exciting. Everything's slowly coming together. Well, that's pretty awesome. And my my shop is a detached garage, and when we moved in, there was electricity out there, and my buddy Jack, who did all the electric for me, um, took a look at it, and he's like, it's questionable whether there's enough electricity coming to the garage. So we had to dig a trench and run run a new line out there, and I just text. I know nothing about electricity, so I just texted him and said, hey, how many amps do we have out in the shop? And he says... It's on a 70 amp breaker, I think, because the breaker was there. The conductors are good for 100 amps, whatever that means. And so um, we put in a new panel and the lights are on their own breaker. Um, we put quad outlets all throughout the shop with the left side going to one breaker and the right side going to another breaker. So we could do the dust collection on one tool on another and not trip anything. And then I think there was room or, or were wired for one 220 outlet for the table saw. Although I have three machines that use 220, but they're all on the same breaker, but I never run all three at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know if that's... Um, legal as far as code or not but that's uh that that was that was the easiest option there's only one of me in the shop running tools so i'm never going to run the table saw and the joiner at the same time and at the end of the day if it pops it pops you go and flip it off and you turn one machine exactly yeah and so we um i just wanted to make sure as in my basement shop everything was 110 and there were extension cords running all throughout the ceiling to try to get the dust collector on a different circuit than than everything else because I was flipping breakers all the time in my old basement shop and I was like I don't want that issue anymore and ever since we've installed the panel and ran the electric I have not had to open up that panel I've never flipped a breaker and I've been very fortunate I've, I've got a great friend in Jack who is able to do all this for me uh, mostly in trade he got a lot of my old tools um, but uh, I, I do want to say, if you're a woodworker like me, 220 is not 100% necessary. It's a nice to have. 
because I my old table saw was 110 and my new ta table saw is 220. I really don't notice much of a difference for the kind of stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted a bigger planer so I could plane more at one time to work faster. And that required 220. But my old Delta planer, 110, uh, lunchbox style that worked just fine and it would still work just fine I just wanted to be able I wanted a bigger tool so I could work faster so you know there's all, all this electricity talk is confusing to me and I know that I survived for many years on 110 only but now yeah me too I mean it's confusing as <laughs> to me I mean it sounds like you might think I know what I'm talking about but I hardly do but uh, thank God for Patrick because he's like my it's like being in Japan and having an interpreter he speaks to everybody and he looks at me and goes all right, don't worry, this will work easy. <laughs> How much? <laughs> That's it. And uh, but knowing now that I could kind of shop with with a clear mind and not have to be mm -hmm. like, oh, what is that tool? Oh, what kind of motors on it? How many amps is it? You know, like I don't have to worry about that. I could just—is that your shopping voice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many? Amps I don't want to go shopping with you. What kind of motor is it? Oh, Jimmy's on eBay again, <laughs> shopping. But on one can. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I got so I'll tell you how confused I was. I bought that giant buffer, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'm going to be able to turn it on." So I, I connected a plug to it, and I went to stick it into the phase converter, the uh, the amp, the new amp thing, and the plug didn't fit. It's a 30 amp plug. I'm like, "Why doesn't it fit?" And it was an L14, not an L15, and an L14 can run three phase one. 10 to 20 and an L50. So this, like, I don't really expect you guys to understand. It's the plug that plugs in and turns. It's like four prongs, like all, you know, in a curved situation. You stick them in and turn. And it didn't fit. So there's like these slight variables. And I called Patrick and he sent me the chart for NEMA, the National Electrical, such and such. He goes, oh, this is why. Because this plug is for this and that plug is for that. What you need is one of these. When the plug I wanted, they didn't sell at Home Depot. I, went, I had to buy it on Amazon. They sold it. They sent it to me a couple of days later. So, and I so I didn't get the chance to turn on the buffer that particular evening when I was trying to set the plug up. But I opened up a panel inside of it, and it says 440. So I, I call Patrick. I'm like, dude, this thing says 440. I think I bought a machine I can't use. It's like high power industrial. He goes, no, 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 don't worry. He goes, most of those machines have high voltage and low voltage. And if you look on the plate, it'll say. 220 or 440 and you could rewire the machine right in the motor there's usually a wiring diagram which says high voltage or low voltage and in those industrialized machines high voltage means 440 and low voltage means 220 sometimes you'll see a motor and on the motor it'll say 110 and 220 that again that's that's the lower bracket of high voltage low voltage for a motor so when you're looking on any particular motor if you're looking on a machine or a drill press for instance i know uh uh, there's somebody on Instagram right now who, who bought a, a drill press that's only three phase. Um, yeah, no, that doesn't apply. Never mind. That doesn't apply. That's three phase. It'll only stay in three phase. He needs a phase converter or a VFD. But when he came and looked at the buffer, he was looking at it and he says, no, this is already wired for 220. He says it has the capability of being wired for one or the other. And he showed me why. And it was like he was speaking Japanese to me. And I just said, OK, cool. Can I turn it on? And he went, yeah, it should work. <laughs> so that was it. And we got it to work. But um, I think this to, just the, to uh, expand on that, I yeah. think a lot, when you're saying um, the, the machine can be wired either way. I think a lot of table saws come that way. Like a lot of the 110 table saws um, say they yeah. can be wired for 
um, 220. 220. Yeah. All, all single phase, by the way, is what I'm talking about. So, yeah, 110, 220 is a single phase, and then 220, 440, that's three phase. It gets confusing, but <laughs> when if you have a good electrical friend, hang out with him. Ask him a lot of questions. Here's a podcast with three guys who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good because then I think it demystifies it a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of, was kind of the point of it, is to demystify it. And Patrick wants to do a channel, and in this channel, he wants to really demystify all these things. He, he can explain things very well. So he's, uh, he's very good at it. So that's we're going to start working on some videos for him, explaining the type of electric you may or may not need in your shop. At the end of the day, I just, I remember that moment in time about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe about 14 years ago, where I needed to run a 220-volt table saw in my shop and I needed to hire an electrician and for $500 he ran a 220 line into the basement shop in New York City and I was able to turn on this this table saw which I never was able to turn on it was just basically a table in the room until I was able to plug it in and turn it on and then when I turned it on that like expanded the capabilities of running this 110 radial arm saw which I was using at first to this 220 volt and then from that point on now that I'm here and I'm tasting three phase, it, it just gives me more headroom to be able to get bigger, stronger machines. And I have, by the way, I have a saw stop. They sent it to me. That's seven horsepower, mm. three phase. And I haven't been able to plug it in mm. since I got it. It's brand new under, I have it wrapped up on the side of the room and I haven't been able to turn it on. So as soon as my big new barn is got electric in it it's going to be one of the first tools i bring over there so i'll always have a table saw set up over there three phase and by uh, a few testimonials do you have a cutting wood in the wood stalls you, you could stall the table saw by you know the wood might pinch on the back of the blade or whatever and then you blow a breaker but the seven horsepower saw somebody told me as fast as you could push wood through it it will cut it and it will not yeah, stall. and, and yeah. that's the reason why you want bigger horsepower stronger electric hmm now, I mean, something like that, you know, it, that sounds awesome. And, you know, the the tool person in me just wants, of course, the most powerful tool. But, like, in reality, unless you're doing, like, production or you have to be working at a certain rate. Right. Like, pushing a piece of wood through a little bit slower is not really going to – it's not that big of a deal. I think right. it's, it's super easy for, like, especially people who are getting, like, their first table saw or looking to upgrade. Like, they want to make it worthwhile instead of, like, well, I can, you know, go to 220, I can get a three horsepower or a seven. I mean, I didn't even know there was a seven horsepower table saw. That's insane. But, I know. so, I mean, you know, that's cool. And if you have the need and have the money, go for it. But, like, I don't want people thinking that that's, like, you can't do good woodworking unless you have the most powerful tool, because that's just not the truth, you know. Um, I can't even imagine having a seven-horsepower table saw. <laughs> well, the way it works out is... Mine's one and a half, and, like, I've maybe hit the limit on it where, you know, I've been pushing something tall, been trying to make a really tall cut, and I see it bog a little bit from that, but it never stalls. It just, you know, slows down. A good sharp blade Man. takes care of a lot, a lot of that, too. Absolutely. True. My 220... Saw stop. I've never stalled. It has never, you know, my my old unisaw, the one I gave to Tim Sway. That I've shut that down a couple times, where I had to wait for the motor to cool off and reset. But you know, that's forty years old. Um, 
Now, I got the, the seven horse. I got a call from the guys at Sauce Stop. And they're like, hey, can we send you our new sauce so you could try it? I was like, great. I love it. I got a new shop. I had, this is a year ago. And it showed up. We put it together. And I'm like, oh, this is a three-phase plug. I didn't even know one until I looked at it. They're like, and I called up there. I'm like, they're like, oh, we sent you the three-phase version of the seven horsepower motor? I'm like, yeah, you did. And he, went, and he looked and he was okay, let me, let me, let me ask the guys. Turns out that's all there is is a three-phase seven horse. They don't. Like, he didn't know. The, the salesman didn't know that there was, you know. So that's how confusing it is. It's their company. They didn't even realize. But when I spoke to the project manager, he's like, "Oh no, no, no! That's a three-phase motor, and that's all it will ever be." He goes, "You need to get three-phase." And he did warn me because of the sensitive technology and saw stop. He said, "Don't use a phase converter. Make sure you can plug it into a proper outlet when you're ready. Have it plugged in." He said, "If you can wait, wait until you have a proper phase converter. Creates like a little bit of a variable, apparently." And he said it might trip the brake or hmm. something. I don't know. He just said, it, just to, to, to play it safe, plug it into something that's like, uh, you know, supplied from a telephone pole and not necessarily. Right. I I did put a link in the show notes that has a description of the difference between single phase and three phase if somebody's really interested in why. And it has like some some reasons why one's better than the other for different applications too. And there's a ton of different articles that talk about that. This one that I was just kind of flipping through while you were talking seems to be pretty down to earth and like explains the difference and why you would want one versus the other. So mm-hmm. it's a good little reference there. And um, then going, if I just go back a little bit and confuse everybody some more, when I first got my, my Bridgeport milling machine, that was a three phase. That was my first confrontation with three phase and like, oh no, what do I do? I can't use this machine. Everyone said, oh, get a VFD. So I bought a VFD for a few hundred dollars. Uh, there happens to be a motor shop in the Lower East Side that I go to all the time to have things either rebuilt or ask questions. And they, they bought me a three-phase, uh, they bought me the VFD, the variable frequency drive. And my friend Charles set it up for me. I had no idea what he was doing. He's in there with, give me this, give me that. He did it and then we flipped it on and it worked. And it's confusing because this VFD is meant for running like an electric, either an, an elevator or air conditioning system on a giant building. And we only use like 3% of its capabilities. It has a computer on board, huh. LCD screen. I don't know, all I know is how to turn it on and then turn on the bridge port. And that's all I do with it. But you can go into the VFD and change the cycles per minute, which will slow down the speed on the motor. You can change the, when you flip on the motor, it'll slowly ramp up to speed and slowly ramp down. Just, there's all kinds of things you can do. Is it loud? In the computer. No, it just hums a little bit. There's like an onboard fan, like a computer. That's it. But, you know, VFDs are a whole nother ball of wax to unfold. But by simply getting one of those, and now they're cheap enough, I think on eBay you can get one for like 100 to $200. Look on YouTube, figure out how to set it up, and then you could run a three-phase motor on a 220 single-phase line with that in between. Yeah, I'm looking at those now, and there's there's a huge range there of like really small ones made for an AC. That's I see some for like 114, and then they just get giant <laughs> and expensive. Yep. So yeah, there's a bunch of options there. Huh? Well, that's pretty wild. It must be nice well, okay, though. Any to other like, go, you know, when I was setting up new shop before I had um, the wiring, it was. Um, disappointing to see like oh i can't get that tool because i don't have 220 and like oh that's i there's no i I know i can't get a tool that big so it must be really nice to just know that you have no limits now jimmy you can just order whatever and then just figure it out after 
after it arrives. Exactly, and, and you know that's very that's very uh, uh, freeing when my addiction takes over and I wake up <laughs> having spent the night in a blackout on eBay. <laughs> with, with your shopping I voice, <laughs> I won. I won what? I, I bought. I what? bid on what? I won that. It's uh, a good thing you don't um, drink anymore. So, well, with the two, with the two twenty thing, with the two twenty thing, I mean, like you can add that <clears throat> to any box. Um, in case that somebody doesn't know, it's it's two one ten breakers joined together. Essentially, I mean it's a single breaker, but inside of that is two separate breaker points. And so you know you end up with instead of three wires coming out, you have five wires coming out. Um, and so you can add two twenty and just realize that it's going to take up two slots in your breaker box. So it's not an impossibility. Granted, like if you want the wire to be run inside your wall, like everything else, then that's a different story. Um, in my shop, in particular, pretty much all the electricals run through the ceiling, and all the walls are concrete. So, you know, everything's exposed in conduit or run up in the ceiling and stuff. So it wasn't a big deal for me just to string another wire, um, put in the two breakers, add two twenty, and run it all the way across the shop. So. But like Jimmy was saying earlier, the big thing there is to make sure that the receptacle that you're adding is the right type of plug for the tool that you have. Because within 220, there are like oh, four or like five different choices. <laughs> yeah, there are like different curvy. There's three plugs. There's four plugs. Some of them are turned. Some of them are slanted. There, so you just got to make sure you get the right receptacle for the plug. But it's totally possible to add that to your shop, you know, as long as you've got two slots in your breaker box. Um, anything else on electrical stuff or lighting stuff or other stuff? Next week, anything? we're going to talk about microbiology. Mm, things, that sounds things. real fun. <laughs> Another thing the <that laughs> three of us don't know anything about. Yeah, we should just pick new things that none of us have any idea about. <laughs> well, I'm just, I really just wanted to share my experience and, you know, what I'm slowly learning and, and you know what I'm now capable of where I didn't think I'd be and, and I guess the biggest point was I was afraid of installing three phase in the new barn because I just was afraid everything was going to cost me too much money monthly to monthly month to month and turns out it's not going to be that bad and now you know spending some money up front I have much better capabilities we just had a, a our latest electrical bill was $300 which was insane to me because I've never had an electric bill that high and I realized that uh, a couple times I left the AC on in the shop and we have actually we actually have three ACs in the house there's one in the shop there's the the central air and then the addition um, has its own AC and so uh, I have now we're now like on AC shutdown like we, if it's if it's a, <laughs> a certain degree shut all ACs down make sure the shop nothing is left on in the shop and yeah. yeah, it's funny. I um, a couple a couple winters ago, I got a bill and it was like hundreds of dollars. I can't remember, but it was a lot. And I called up. I'm like, "Why is my bill so expensive?" And she said, "Well, <laughs> she goes, she what about this in the house and what about that in the house?" And she's like, "Do you have electric heaters?" I go, "I do, but they're not on." She's like, "Well, you might want to check them." And uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'll go check." And. <laughs> She was right. One of them was up full power upstairs in the top bedroom floor. It had been on probably for three months. So I, oh. Somebody stayed with me and turned the heater on. Oh. 
the top the, the top four bedrooms in my house all have electric baseboard heating and you got to just dial a dial up like you're in an old hotel and then you're supposed to dial it off when you leave but somebody came in and turned it up like in the fall and it had been on till like january mm. full blast just creating you know money was flying out the window <clears throat> so, okay i found it i was my fault i'm sorry <laughs> 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 but just like you said, Dave, you know, you're, like, you're not paying attention to what you leave on. And yeah. It just eats up. Well, I mean, from living in Savannah, uh, the air conditioning by itself makes your bill go crazy. Then we had a pool. Then we had four kids. <laughs> so our electric bill in Savannah was just bananas. Oh, so. All right. Well, um, let me thank our Patreon people real quick, uh, especially Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Chad from Mancrafting, Nick Ryan, Caleb Harris, and Make Build Modify. Um, a special thanks to them. They're our top supporters. But big thanks to everybody who supports us at any level on Patreon. And uh, if you do, even at the $1 level, you get the after show, which is another little bit of us talking about stuff sometimes it's secret sometimes it's nonsense sometimes it's just talking and that's uh it basically a separate rss feed it's like a separate podcast that uh you only get through patreon so if you want to check that out go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out we would appreciate it what you got jimmy go uh Blackbeard Projects, if you guys don't know him. I mean, he doesn't seem to need any help. He's killing it. Everything he does hits like millions of views. Blackbeard Projects, we met, he's from uh, Italy. We met when we were over in Maker Central. And he does restoration projects. And he's just killing it. Everything he puts out does really well. And he has cool old industrial stuff that he redoes. So check out Blackbeard Projects if you don't already know him. By the way, that's Dave foleying paper folding, by the way. Sorry, I'm multitasking. <laughs> uh, we, we started the podcast earlier. Stop foleying around. <laughs> ah, you're stealing my jokes. Um, we started the podcast a half hour early, which means I didn't get a chance to mail out books and, um, and, uh, and other things for the business. So I've been multitasking and writing checks and <laughs> printing envelopes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. my pick this week is a show called Brilliant Ideas, and I discovered it on Amazon Prime, and then I did a little bit of research and found out it's a Bloomberg show, uh, which is weird because that's a oh, business really? thing. But this is a uh, there are seventy four episodes, and each episode profiles a different artist. And it's really good. It's really inspiring. And it's like artists who do like crazy, awesome, amazing things. And all the episodes appear to be free online. So you don't have to have Amazon Prime to watch it. And it's just really good. It's really inspiring. I always love to find out where uh, other people find creativity and what makes them tick. And this is one of those shows. It's, it's really good. And you get to see some really cool art and some things. Maybe not so cool, just weird and, and out there, but uh, it's it, it's very inspiring to me. Sweet. Um, I got to be honest, I don't have a pick. I don't have... I, I just... I don't watch anything new, ever. And I wish I did, <laughs> but I don't. 
It's a shame because I would like to be able to say like, hey, there's something really awesome you should go check out, but I just don't have anything. Um, yeah, sorry. I would, man, I feel bad. I should have something and I'm looking through my history, but it's like all stuff I've talked about before or all people that we all know already. Uh, I got nothing. Here's, here's, here's a good one. Um, Adam Savage did a one day build with uh, Laura Comp and it's like, it's an over engineered yeah. bottle opener and it's a 45 minute long video, but you, the great thing about it is you get to see every little bit of, uh, of the process where they're thinking things out and drawing it up and trying things and it's not working and they, they do this and they discover things along the way. It's a really awesome video and I just love over engineered things. So check that yeah, out. Yeah, it was fun. I need to watch that one. I it's weird. I, I tend to to steer clear of like really long videos like that just because I don't want to sit, you know, like I don't want to sit still long enough to watch them. Right. But then I think I miss out on a lot of like cool builds like that where I just didn't see it. Um, one day build. I'm trying to put that link in the show notes for everyone. Um, okay, here's one that I I don't think I talked about it. Did I talk about the Mark Rober's um, rock skipping robot. Uh, no, you haven't talked about it, I don't but know it's great. It. Okay, well, anyway, our friend Mark did this really cool video where he made a robot that is the perfect rock skipping robot, and they figured out all the science of, like, how to throw it and had all his nieces and nephews out, and they did, like, a um, uh, kind of a class on, like, okay, everybody throw your rocks, and then I'll show you the right way to do it, and he showed how his nieces and nephews got, like, infinitely better at skipping rocks over a few days, and then they all helped him build the robot and everything. It's really cool. It's a good video. Mark's a good guy. So uh, I'll put that in there because it is a good one. Um, you guys got anything else for this week? No? 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 I think I'm just waiting until Jimmy wakes up. No? Oh, sorry. So You know, somebody's trolling me on my eBay account. This guy just wrote me a nasty email. Because I'm selling really? things on eBay. He's like, I'm, t- I'm taking advantage of my celebrity status. <laughs> oh. I put something on eBay for $10, and it sold for 300 My starting bid was $10. It sold for 300 and this guy's mad at me. He's like, it seems like an awfully... It seems like you're taking... So I'm defending myself. Don't do that. <laughs> well, it's a direct email to my email account, so I'm going to write back to this person. Well, but I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna call him out and fist fight him. Although I would love to hit him right in the face with a broom, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess it's time for the after show. <laughs> All Take right, cool. My celebrity status and hit him with a broom. <laughs> I d- no, no. Yeah, that's a that's a bad idea. Yeah. No, no, don't do that at home. Oh, don't do. Don't that. hit anybody with a broom ever. All right. I'm a trained professional. Only I can do that. <laughs> That's it for this week. We'll see you guys next time. Later. <laughs> I love brooms. Brooms.